I'm sorry. I should have let you make it hard. My bad. Yeah. Jeez. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Today, we are going to talk about the book, House of Sorrows by... It's House of Salt and Sorrows. Oh, House of Salt and Sorrows. And who is it by, Abby? It's by Aaron A. Craig. Thank you. I'm like, wow, I don't see the author's name. Uh, uh, I don't know. Apparently, I can't even read the title. Welcome. Welcome, guys. I have only had merely three cups of coffee today. Apparently, that's not enough to function. Oof, that's not nearly enough to function. Totally not. Um, so this was on our list this year. Both of us put this on our TBR list. And this is a fairy tale retelling. And as you guys know, we have a thing for fairy tale retellings. And in addition, is even YA. Another thing we have a strong desire and love to read all the time. So that's how we ended up with this book. Um, Cause I know this is not an author we talk about. Um, I don't know if this is her first book or not, or she's written more. Do you know, Abby? It's in the fun facts actually. Yes. She has written two other books. Uh, this was her debut novel. Oh, perfect. Okay. So fun facts about Erin Craig. Um, she has a bachelor's of fine arts in theater design and production from the university of Michigan. Ooh, very cool. I love people who write and act. Um, she collects <laughs> typewriters. That's awesome. Um, and is an avid basketball fan. Uh, do you know who her, who her favorite team is, Abby? I have no idea. Okay. Um, and this book was her debut novel in 2019 and she has written two others since then together, apart from, um, Together Apart, oh, that's the name of the book, was published in 2020, was a series of contemporary short stories, and Small Favors came out last year in 2021, which is another fairy tale-esque story like House of Salt and Sorrows. Do you know, is it, um, you know anything about Small Favors? Um, from what I read, it's not actually a fairy tale. It's just, like, got very fairy tale vibes. Mm -hmm. um, it's, again, like, darker fairy tale vibes and... Um, like there's a mystery going on with the main character and that kind of thing so hmm. okay well that will sounds very interesting i well guys you're going to hear our opinions about dark fairy tales very soon <laughs> um abby can you give us a summary about this book sure thing anna lee lives a sheltered life in highmore a manor by the sea with her sisters their father and stepmother once they were 12 but loneliness fills the grand halls now that four of the girls' lives have been cut short. Each death was more tragic than the last. The plague, a plummeting fall, a drowning, a slippery plunge. And there are whispers throughout the surrounding villages that the family is cursed by the gods. Disturbed by a series of ghostly visions, Anna Lee becomes increasingly suspicious that the deaths were no accidents. Her sisters have been sneaking out every night to attend glittering balls, dancing until dawn in silk gowns and shimmering slippers, and Anna Lee isn't sure whether to try to stop them or join their forbidden trysts. But who or what are they really dancing with? When Anna Lee's involvement with a mysterious stranger who has secrets of his own intensifies, it's a race to unravel the darkness that has fallen over her family before it claims her next. 
All right. Very nice summary. Thank you. So let's talk about these um, characters. So one thing you'll notice that this is a has 12 sisters. This is a 12 dancing sisters. Um, no, princesses, 12 dancing princesses. I'm good. I, I got this. So obviously our cast list is a little large. So we have... I got the name wrong in my nose. Someone got it right. That's fine. Anna Lee um, Thalmus. She is the sixth eldest of the 12 daughters. She is our main character. Kind of, we see the story from her point of view. I can't remember if this story is in first person point of view or was it in third person? Yeah. Okay. It's in first person, I think. Yeah. So we get to see everything from her point of view, which was very interesting. Um, we have Cassius, the mysterious son of one of the Duke's biggest merchants that we meet. We have the Duke, who is the daughter's dad. We have Morella, the stepmother, who is, of course, married to the Duke. And we have the sisters. We have one older than Annalee, and that's Camille. We have the Graces, whose names I can't remember. Um, we also have, and the Graces are triplets, actually. And then we have the um, Honors, which are the three youngest. Wait, no. How's it go? That's not right. I genuinely, okay. There's too many sisters and you don't spend enough time with any of them individually other than Verity and Camilla. And so like the three graces, I have no idea about what their names are. I just know they're triplets. Um, the younger two are twins, I think. No, there's no twins. There's only triplets. Okay. Well, the younger two, I have no idea about then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay, I got this. All right. So the internet has helped us with this. The internet says one. Sister number one, we'll start with her. The first sister was Ava. She's dead by the start of the book. Not a spoiler. Next, we have sister number two, Octavia. Guess what? She's also dead by the start of the book. Um, <laughs> we have Elizabeth, who, guess what? Is also dead at the start of the book. <laughs> uh, and we start the book going to Ueli's. U- funeral because guess what guys she's dead so uh, we've lost four sisters at this point when we start the book we have camille who's the eldest now in the air we have anna lee who's our narrator we have the triplets who are lenore rosalie and legia and then we have lastly the younger sisters the graces mercy honor and verity who i loved verity so those are the sisters oh my god abby is so right there are so many of them and it's really hard to keep track of them um And of course, we have one more main character, Fisher, who is a lifelong family friend um, who he works at the lighthouse and he's coming back into town. And yeah, he's very interesting. Interesting guy. Nice to meet him. Yeah. um, So the one thing I think the reason you don't see more 12 dancing princess retellings is because of this very issue. There's so (laughs) many girls and they're all stacked on top of one another. And even if you, I appreciate what she tried to do with grouping them as um, the graces and the triplets and like that kind of thing. But at the same time, I can't tell you like throughout the book, I couldn't have told you if the graces or the triplets were older. Like I had no idea because they all just like, blended together they blend together because there's so many of them and it's not like this is a series or a 500 page book where you get to actually explore all of their different personalities and 
like latch on to something that you can remember about each of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just from that, it makes it very difficult to understand who any of them are, ex- unless you have one of them that is narrating because Annalie is literally the only one that I remembered offhand because she was narrating. Yeah. And that really is the issue with the 12 dancing princess story. When you retell it, there's just, there's too many of them. Agreed. And I, I do think, well, this is a YA, which is fine. I love YA. YAs are meant to be nicely paced, kind of fast, a little, a, not always superficial, but, a, you know, a little higher level, maybe not as deep, not as like robust as say mm, a Brandon Sanderson book for an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do wish. Okay. So if any authors listen to us, I do wish if you guys do do any retellings of the 12 Dancing Sisters princesses that you consider making it a bigger, thicker book. Either make it a series, make it like a duology or something, because there just wasn't enough time to really invest in the characters. I think that's one of my um, biggest takeaways is that this was very YA, um, had instant love, had, I mean, it had some really good twists and turns and everything, but it was, it was slow and confusing. The pacing was very off half the time. Um, the best parts were the writing and the world building. Um, the horror scenes were delightfully creepy, very well done. Um, definitely listened to this as an audiobook. So the audio production was awesome, but also, because it was kind of a horror novel, it was like, oh, I need to turn that off and find something else to read before I go to sleep kind of a deal, you know? Yeah, there were definitely a couple times because I was listening to the audiobook too. And there were a couple times I literally had to turn it off and go read something else yep. before bed because I'm like, I don't do horror anyways. <laughs> and we'd get to horror scenes and I'd be like, I can't read this before bed. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It was definitely well-written horror. Um and like either make it a longer book or I even would have accepted if there had been um a family tree like oh. in the beginning or in an appendix or something mm-hmm. that I could have referenced to keep the girl straight in my head yeah oh yeah that would have been awesome because then at least I would have been able to go oh yeah the triplets are obviously older than the graces like mm-hmm. But because I didn't have that reference point, I was just going through the book like la di da di dum. Okay. Who are you? Who is this one? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's another one of the girls. Who? Yeah. <laughs> like, or even if they reference like favorite colors, like Verity would always wear gold, or the Rosalie always wore red. You know, like just like stuff like that. Like just kind of mm-hmm. like you know, because like I naturally gravitate towards black shirts and blue shirts you know a majority of my wardrobe is going to be black or blue and, or gray you know and that could be like a standing factor that could have been added to the story or if someone always wore glasses or you know like stuff like that stuff that really makes it stick out so I definitely feel like 
the scenery was really well written. Um, the descriptions of what was going on around, but like the character descriptions are kind of lacking, like maybe lacking in physical descriptions, lacking in personality descriptions. Not enough time was spent with the characters. Like I remember there was one scene where everybody's together, like at a family meeting. And I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, man, everyone's together. Ooh. Okay. I don't know who is who now. You know what I mean? Well, like, there's a scene where they're all getting new shoes and I was like, cool. I'll be able to connect like shoe colors to these girls at least because they all got different colors, except literally it just ends up being a giant list of this girl got this color shoes and this girl got this color shoes. And I'm like, why is this all scrunched together like this? This does not help anything. And Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, like it should have been like Verity had gold shoes with white pearls and set in star patterns because her stars were her favorite shape and all of her dresses had some kind of star set to it. Even though it's kind of cheesy, it helps. It helps in stories to kind of keep, figure out who Mm -hmm, people are, you know. And so like what could have been a helpful thing to help, um, hold the girls apart from each other just like ended up being a giant list of girls and the colors of shoes that they got and that was not helpful at all Mm -hmm. like and and again it was also kind of pointless like there was no reason for you to describe every pair of shoes and what color they were no it unfortunately had no symbolism had no symbolism and come back that would have been really cool but not a single one of them did not right. even Annalise's shoes. It was just like, okay, I'm glad you got the shoes. Like, I know they're a big part of the fairy tale mm-hmm. because dancing princesses, but um, can we tie that in a little bit more? Right. <sighs> but yeah, uh, anything else that uh, for you about this book? Um, personally, this book had too much horror for me. Um. <laughs> but that's just my personal preference. I'm not a horror and suspense kind of person in general. And I didn't realize this was a dark fairy tale when I originally set out to read it. Mm -hmm. So like it was well-written overall, I enjoyed it, but like, I'm not keeping my copy of it. No. Well, good news. I mean, if you would like to listen to it again, I do have it as an audio book and I can, I can definitely let you listen to it again. Yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> mm, I know. It's okay. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> I understand. All right. Well, guys, that's what we have so far. Um, we are going to talk a little bit deeper about favorite scenes, favorite characters, least favorite scenes, least favorite characters in the next half where I'm dying to kind of spoil some things. So, as always, when we come back, if you have not read the book and you actually want to read it without it being spoiled, you need to like take a second, pause, and come back. All right. We'll talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show 
Welcome back, guys. And remember, if you have not read House of Salt and Sorrows, we highly suggest that you pause and go read it and come right back. All right. Favorite characters. Talk to me, Mo. Well, my main favorite character was honestly Verity, who <laughs> um, I wish I had had more interaction with her. So she was like a six-year-old, really not was. She is a six-year-old. She is alive, guys. Don't worry. Verity made it out alive. Um, she loved drawing, had an active imagination, super duper cute little kid. Um, and I loved her relationship with Anna Lee. And I was like, yes, yes, please be more featured. Let's see some more about this. And like, she just wasn't featured enough at all for being like, I think Anna Lee's favorite sister, you know? Yeah, I found that kind of weird. Like, I also kept picturing her as like a 10-year-old instead of a six-year-old. And I knew it was wrong, but it didn't mm-hmm. change. Yeah, well, you tried. You tried. Um, yeah, I... I also thought she was going to be more important to the story overall because mm-hmm. of her drawings and the vision vision she was having. Like, yep. I don't know. That felt like it should have been brought in more, tied up better, something. Yep. Or like, why, why the six-year-old? Why the youngest? Why is the youngest the one who is drawing pictures and seeing the ghosts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like, there is so much mystery in here. Um, I mean, I, I have a lot to talk about that, so I'm going to keep it to myself mm-hmm. for a minute. But yes, I agree. Yeah, so. Uh, honestly, so many of these characters are so blah. Just, ugh. They're, they were all pretty blah throughout the entirety of the book until we got to the end. Mm-hmm. And then we found out about the stepmother, and I went, oh, I like the stepmother. That was fun. Why weren't we following her? <laughs> yep. Because uh, I I really liked her twist ending. And just like hands down, she was the most interesting character out of all of them. And she was one of the ones we saw the least. Yeah. Just kind of sad. Oh. I also find it sad that the main character, Annalie, was so blah that she's not on our favorite or least favorite list. How blah you are is <laughs> really bad. That's how YA and blah the main character was. That's not good. Your YA main character should be hands down one of like either your like most hated or most favorite character. You can hate the main character, but like they should be so outstanding. She was so neutral that she's yeah, she even has like the most neutral character section. Anna Lee, yeah. the main character for 350 pages. Yeah. Well, it's because she was so she was so people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. She wasn't really focused. She wasn't really like goal-oriented. Like she'd be on this quest to find out what was killing off her sisters, and then she'd be distracted for several chapters, and you're just like, uh what? I know right there was there was no focus there was no determination there was just a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like okay and she's just very like even in normal okay so she's like 17 like i would feel like even a normal 17 was not this flighty you know what i mean like i feel like her flightiness was more attributed to like 
a 12 year old, you know, like when your interest is like, just like all over the place. And I'm like, girl, like your sisters. 17. Yeah. Cause Camille was 18 and the triplets are 16. Okay. I feel like I knew that, but she did not feel like a 17 year old. Okay. So what age did you pay her for? I kept for some reason picturing her as like 14. No, no, no. And again, it's like with Verity. I knew it wasn't right, but that's what I kept picturing. Yeah, no, no, no. Not at all. No, okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. It's understandable. So, I mean, obviously we have some struggles here. So, can I just like move into least favorite characters? By all means. All right, so I'm going to just kind of slink on down away from Anna Lee. I'm going to move into my least favorite characters. Fisher was... So I liked Fisher initially when he showed up, and then he just steadily got worse. You know what I mean? Like, Like, I understand... I understand why at the end, but, like, as I read through it, like, I'm like, wow, like... One, I felt like he was jealous that um, Annalie liked Cassius over him, especially at that dance. Two, um, I felt like him and Camille were really ganging up on Annalie. And I understand why now, uh, since Fisher technically wasn't Fisher. But, I mean, he actually kind of was a good character in the sense of you went from liking to disliking him. And then you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I know why I don't like you now towards the end Mm -hmm. so that was kind of nice that was actually some really good character progression which i'm kind of actually like um but he's still at least for a character who's kind of a dick you know yeah um he did have some good character progression i thought his end was cool yeah yeah that was very nicely done i was like oh that was a cool reveal it was definitely one of the best twists of the story yeah i agree i didn't like him he was just a pushy git honestly yeah I was, you know, I was like, meow, don't like you. So then we have the Duke. I kind of started off liking him. I'm like, oh, you're an okay dad. And then like slowly, it, it, I was like, okay, well, you're not trusting your daughter. And then I was like, wow, you're kind of an asshole. And then I was like, wow, okay. Um, like when we find out about his first wife and everything. And I was kind of like, okay. I was like, did not see that one coming at all. Mm-hmm. I'll let you talk about that one. Cause I'm going to save that for yours. Um, so <laughs> I kind of went down on the Duke train as well. Uh, and then lastly, we have Camille and I kind of liked her, but she was so shallow. Like in her shallowness, I felt like, seeped through the other sisters because she was the oldest um and i get that they just wanted to be kids essentially like they have basically have been robbed of their childhood for like the last five years between their mom dying their sisters dying and being trapped in the never-ending cycle of having to mourn the whole time Mm -hmm. but also like i don't know i just I know she wasn't destined to rule and she wasn't destined to be a leader, but I just felt like she just did not care about anything. She was so superficial. And I was, and then like her and Fisher together, I was like, Oh, you know what I mean? It's got worse. Yeah. I feel like she was a character that had a lot of potential 
because some of the things she said lined up with her like seriously caring about the fact that she was the heir now Mm -hmm. and the fact that you know she would need to find a husband and all that but her actions didn't back her words and that bothered me Mm -hmm. because if she if her actions had followed her words more I would have actually liked her character but instead she just turned into this like like you said very shallow character that didn't seem to have any depth and that that was weird to me because the way she talked she should have had more depth than that right I don't know I don't know um okay so as I said it's really hard to dislike characters that you feel so blah about um I mean I found some some reasons why I dislike them but yeah I know I didn't really I agree like I didn't like Fisher um but I didn't genuinely dislike any of the characters until the very, very end when we find out about the Duke. Like through the majority of this book, I assumed that he was under some sort of magical haze, some Mm -hmm. sort of magical spell or something, because I mean, that's kind of how it goes in stories like this. The parents are, have some sort of magic issue going on that makes them not really pay attention and not really see and not really interfere, which is why the kids have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's fine. But finding out that he cheated on his supposedly beloved wife, their entire marriage just killed any remote liking of him that I had. Our regular listeners will know full well my thoughts and feelings on affairs and infidelity. And, uh, yeah, that's what the Duke was doing. So, hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I hate him. Yep, yep. I was totally ready to give him the benefit of the doubt. Until Morella was like... And the doubt? The doubt died. Yeah, until Morella was like, oh, by the way, I was having an affair with your father while your mother was pregnant and giving birth and dying. <laughs> like... That killed me, too, because literally his wife was dying and he was busy off having an affair with one of her nurses. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. Um, As I read that, I was like, wow, I feel like Abby's going to manifest and start shanking people. Oh, my God. That is just so scummy and dirty and gross. Your wife is laying in bed, giving birth to another one of your children, possibly dying. And you're just going to mm-hmm. go screw one of her nurses. Yeah. Cool. And you're going to keep doing that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then Abby manifests and she shanks you and you are now dead. So you don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> so you will no longer reproduce. Oh my gosh. I could not believe that though. I'm like, seriously? Mm-hmm. Again, it's a dark fairy tale retelling, but come on. Did we have to add that? I mean, it makes it dark. Grr. That is not a shade of darkness I like. I know. Rawr. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about favorite scenes. Okay, that that we can do. So, I thought when we are like, what? Is this like three-fourths away through the book? We get to the lighthouse where um, Annalie has Cassius take her to the lighthouse to see what's going on because, you know, 
they've known some people are like, Oh no, our boats are wrecked. Oh no. Uh, the lighthouse isn't on. And they're like, well, that's weird. Lighthouse should always be on because Fisher's here. And he said his um, master was up there tending to the light lighthouse. And then they get there and they see that the lighthouse master is dead. Like basically like old man dead in his bed kind of thing. And, she, and Annalise like, Oh, sadness. He was a good guy. Um, and then, of course, she's having her crazy visions and everything. And then, like, like did she, like, trip over Fisher's body in there or something? I can't. Yeah. Like, okay, one, that's terrifying mm-hmm. uh, that she tripped over a decomposing body. Uh, and she's like, oh, my God, it's Fisher. Fisher's been at the palace this whole time or whatever they live in, I guess, castle. Who cares? And you're just like having that moment of instant, like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Like, Fisher's the bad guy. Mm, good misdirection there too which i loved um so i thought that was a really nice twist because like i was kind of like like slogging through like okay i'm bored i want to finish this can we get through it already i also liked i forgot to write this part down but when they went to i guess the temple of cassius's mom um and that was like I like what right they did that yeah yeah okay I can't remember like that's the right book I'm like there was a temple scene yes um but I I also enjoyed that revelation of who Cassius was and why he has some magical ability and kind of like it was like ooh this is kind of fun where his dad was a sea captain fell in love with a goddess and they had a child and he has some magical ability kind of fun um good nice fun i love a little bit of magic like that you know and then i really enjoyed again the world building was really good i liked that we went to a statue and the statue took you to a magical place and you got to go all these dances and the descriptions of the dances because it felt just very whimsical and magical and i really enjoyed that portion of it and i wish well it was also i liked the twist at the end that the the girls were literally just dancing in their rooms and that they literally danced through their shoes through visions in their own head. So they weren't actually going anywhere um, because um, Annalie was like, don't you remember me Cassius from the dance at some sort of city? He's like, no, I was never there. And he's, she's like, yeah, no, you, you have this magical ability. You transport yourself there. And he's like, no, I didn't. And she was just like, oh, yes, what is going on? You know, and I was like, oh, okay, now this is all getting interesting again. Perfect. So, like, this is like literally all at the end of the book where, like, finally everything is like actually interesting. Um, and then, yes. I found it super creepy that when she discovers Camilla dancing alone in her room, that she describes how she's doing like these dips and stuff that you couldn't possibly do on your mm-hmm. own but she's still accomplishing them. And it's like, that's honestly terrifying. Yeah, it is. Hands down. Not kind of, kind of scary. Uh, Puppet on strings. Like, oof. Yeah. I mean, so like the end was very solid, very twisty. Mm -hmm. I was going to finish the book regardless, but at least I felt more inclined to finish it. Right. That's what I have for Paris. Yeah. The last, the last quarter of the book was definitely like the best part when everything is finally revealed to be like, it all makes sense now. Yeah. What about for you? What are your... Um, I did like Finding Fisher in the Lighthouse. Uh, that was definitely a cool twist. Was not expecting it 
I liked that a lot though, because it, then it made everything make sense for him. Mm-hmm. And they just made it so much more interesting. You know what I mean? Yes. But I think the thing I liked the best was the big end reveal while Morella is giving birth to the twins. That, God, that was a terrifying scene, let me tell you. Ooh, like I've given birth. Damn. So she's doing this confession as she's giving birth because she knows she is going to die tonight. She gives birth to Stillborn, that is the Duke's only son. And then she confesses to the fact that she started having an affair with the Duke while he was still married and how she saw him a couple years later with another woman and got so jealous because she was so in love with him that she made a bargain with one of the trickster gods. And I I guess like he was put under a magic spell of just absolute lust for her. But then it got creepier because that trickster God then possessed his body, the Duke's body. Mm -hmm. It uh, did it with her. It got her pregnant. Then the Duke married her. And so the second of the twins was actually the trickster God's, uh, kid a dragon yeah yeah that was disturbing on so many levels yes it was it was definitely I was kind of like eh, I don't know about this the one I was very very sad about like the son being stillborn that made me a sad panda mm-hmm. um and then I was like dang who's having a dragon that's yeah. terrifying cool yeah. Well, and then the trickster god shows up and Morella's yelling at him, like, you tricked me. Like, no shit, he's a trickster god. What were you thinking? You're stupid. So, like, she brought it on herself. I didn't really feel bad for her. But holy crap, that was a lot of revelations at the end of the book there. Um, yeah, I honestly, like, the last, like, 20% of the book, I was kind of like, I could have, like, used this in, like, the beginning. No offense. <laughs> Please. This was a took for freaking ever to get there. Yeah. And like I said, um, if we had followed Morella, I think it would have been a far more interesting book overall. Just because like, I don't know, it still would have had the 12 Dancing Princesses fairy tale in it. But like, it would have been less mystery and more following the villain, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that would have been more interesting to me. I don't know. And then she dies like in the fire or something because Camilla and Anna Lee won't take her out of the manor when it catches fire. Well, I think she told them not to or something. Like I feel I feel yeah, she was gonna yeah. she was gonna die either way, I think. Yeah. And I feel like um Anna Lee wanted to and she's like, No, just get out, go, leave me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the manor goes up in flames. Marilla dies. I did find it interesting. The trickster god straight up told Marilla because uh, she was yelling at him about how her son was stillborn. And the god just looks at her and goes, but he's exactly what you asked for. Mm-hmm. He didn't say anything about him being alive. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's always the thing. You always specify. Mm-hmm. You always specify. Well, and it makes me think, like, should we not have... um been more 
curious when um Morella was so certain she was having sons like maybe that should have been a hint to us in the beginning of the book too that we knew that she had made a deal with the devil essentially I mean looking back you can see that but from my perspective when I read that she was so certain she was having twin sons Mm -hmm. my first thought was wow she's got an ego (laughs) okay yeah I mean she was To me, for a lot of the book, she seemed so wrapped up in herself that I just assumed her ego was telling her that they were boys and that there were two of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes sense now that she would have known that regardless. But the way it was written made it feel like it was her ego that was talking there. Like, of course I'm going to have sons. Like, why would I have another daughter? You know? Yeah. Well, it comes from the dude, and he's produced 12 of them, so I mean, he could also produce another one. He's His track record's not looking good. I know, because it's all on him. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, genetics. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Least favorite scenes? Um, I really hated two of the triplets dying. I did not like that scene at all. I felt so bad for lenore or luigi i can't remember i know rosalie was one of the twins that died um and i hate i i hate and love that they died frozen together holding hands like it was just like mm-hmm. i was like this sucks. well and one of them was reaching out to for the hand of the third right who wasn't there Ugh. yeah yeah Ah, that killed me uh hated that uh cassie should have just stay dead or not been dead like sorry please don't come back from the dead either pick one or the other and stay that way you know what i mean <laughs> yes like i'm sorry like i know you got some magical blood in you but you, you could have just like stayed dead it's fine um and then i really hated fisher and camellia camille not camellia camille ganging up essentially on anna lee like i was kind of like guys stop it was, I mean, it was very high schooly and stuff and definitely jealousy and very teenagery, which, okay, so that's very YA. So it kind of stuck with the theme, but I was kind of like, oh, God. Thanks. Um, mm-hmm. Then Anna Lee was like so, she was so gun ho She was like, I'm going to solve this mystery. And suddenly she's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Ooh, shiny objects. La-di-da-di-da. And I'm like, girl, focus. Focus on the mystery. Keep the plot going. Oh, look, we got new shoes. Oh, look, we're going to go to a magical party. Like, excuse me? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, that's what killed me. Where, like, she'd be going so strong. And then suddenly I'm like, like, I understand being distracted by Cassius, but I wanted him pulled into the mystery. But I also understand we had a lot of not knowing what reality was versus what her, um, you know, like, we under- I understand at the end, she was having trouble discerning between reality and fiction because she was seeing stuff that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were even like full scenes with her family happening that didn't actually happen and some like all sorts of crazy crap. So, but yeah. Right. Yes, but she was very blah. There were a couple times she lost focus that I could forgive because it felt like there was magic involved that was like distracting her or making her see things. And so those couple times I was like, nah, I can see it. I'd be distracted too. But a lot of the times she was just like, la-di-da-di-da, off on a different quest, like a side quest. And I'm going, girl, (laughs) 
you, you got a main quest here that you need to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think I would get that distracted. Like my family is dying. I need to not when people are dying. Yeah. But I'm also a Scooby-Doo girl, but you know what I mean? Ma, <laughs> uh, uh, So all the horror and gore scenes for me, mostly just because it's not my cup of tea. I can tell you um, objectively that they were well-written scenes because they scared me, but I, I did not enjoy them. <laughs> and again, that's a personal preference entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, the thing that killed me the most besides Annalie lo- losing focus was the Cassius coming back from the dead thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's like, dude, you're dead. That's fine. Well, Just stay there. And see, he died, and I went, okay, I can accept this. He can be dead. Mm-hmm. That's a good ending for a dark fairy tale. And then we had the epilogue, where she made a wish, and it was such a powerful wish, and he comes walking back out of the ocean. And I even could have accepted that. I could have, if not for his last damn line that pissed me off so bad. hmm Because he starts giving her the spiel about your wish was almost the most powerful one made tonight, except for mine. And I'm like, how were you wishing for anything? You were dead. It's just like my logic train screeched to a halt and went, no, you cannot come back from the dead and give me a BS line like that. No. Yep. And I'll grant you, it's a romantic line. But it does not logic, and I can't not logic. Oh, that's my problem with books a lot of the times. is like, if they don't logic within their own logic, I can't logic it myself, and we're done. It definitely was not what I was, like, expecting. Uh, right? He was dead. Dead people don't make wishes. Sorry, I am still so hung up on that. But it's fine. Uh, sure give a romantic speech at the very end that's fine you can't make it not logical though but it's true love true love brought them back from the dead and brought them together bs i know yeah i know uh, i was like i i thought it would have been great if he just stayed dead it was just kind of like oh like just a perfect way for that book to end like she didn't need a happy ending well right it's a dark fairy tale yeah like, yes, a bunch of people had died, but having the love interest die was actually, like, a good ending for me for a dark fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, so many of the characters were so blah, I wasn't super invested in the relationship anyway. So I was like, okay, he can die. It's fine. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, well, it was nice. And I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, fine. I was like, oh, she's going to bring him back. Okay, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> And then that last line, I was like, nope. We are so nope characters. Do you know that? Oh my God, there's so many characters. We're just like, eh, eh. <laughs> like she killed off four of the sisters and there were still too many sisters. I know. <laughs> she killed off six sisters and there's still- Well, she killed off four before the book even started and there were still too many sisters. I know. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, final thoughts. Well, it was all right. 
like a three. I mean, I wouldn't like necessarily recommend it to anyone because there are much better um, young adult novels out there. I get it's a um, debut novel, but if I was going to recommend debut novel, I recommend, um, no, I guess Little Thieves is not a debut by Margaret Owen. God, I would be like, read Cinder by Marissa Meyer. You know, like if you want to read a solid YA <laughs> with characters that you can remember, even, I mean, Lunar Chronicles has a ton of characters, but you can follow who they are because every book focuses on somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. The other thing that would have helped this book, if she had been jumping between um, the sister's point of views, Ooh. instead of just sticking with Anna Lee, that mm. would have helped because and- you could have... Started with Anna Lee, gotten a little bit about her personality and jumped to Camilla and mm-hmm. actually gotten some of Camilla's thoughts. And then you could have jumped to one of the triplets. It's like if she had jumped point of views and like picked three of the sisters or four of the sisters to focus on. Yeah. For point of views, like that would have helped this book so much. Mm-hmm. Because each sister has a different view of all her other sisters. Yep. So you would have gotten way more dimension for all the characters. And I think it would have been really interesting, too, because then we might have gotten a, more of a vibe that something was wrong with Annalie and that she was getting these dark visions and things. I would have loved to have, like, Barity's point of view kind of going on. Right. Like, even if she had only done Annalie and Barity's point of views, mm-hmm. like, that would have made such a difference. Or, gosh, yeah, anything. Just any other point of view. Um, it was really, really well written, like, I do appreciate that. The world building was very well done. The background, the lore was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Love the world that they kind of got set in. I like that it was kind of set on like an island kind of culture. I kind of imagine it a little bit like um, not it, it, to me. I don't know why, but I kind of thought like more of the Scandinavian kind of vibes, kind of more like nordic and cold kind of like furs and long dresses kind of like frozen vibes Mm -hmm. was in my mind imagination because it was like dark blue oceans and everything that were very deep Mm -hmm. so i thought all of that was really great but the pacing was off the characters were just okay and you can't just world building is important but as i've seen with like brandon sanderson i can't love a book just for world building i have to have either really phenomenal pacing or really great characters as well, or great um, narration, even. even the narration was boring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. No, that's kind of what I got. How about you? Well, I was going to give this book three and a half stars because three stars for me is like, as we've said before, not really my cup of tea. We didn't think it was great, but other people might enjoy it. Which is fair. But that that end monologue about the wish while he was dead just, it made me so angry. I made this a three star. <laughs> like, that's how angry the lack of logic made me. And I feel a little bad about that because I know she was probably going for romantic, but nope. <laughs> it just didn't do it. It just, it just nope. didn't work. Nope. Um, so yeah, this book was three stars for me. Like I said, it, it, it wasn't really for me. I'm not a horror dark person. Um, it's just not what I'm interested in. 
But if someone who enjoys dark fairy tale retellings and the horror and suspense genres came to me to ask for a recommendation that fit those criteria, I would probably send them towards this book just because I haven't read that many that fit that criteria. Mm -hmm. I would either tell them this book or I'd go, hey, you should talk to Mo. She's read more than I have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so uh, blah characters, really good world building, uh, good writing, but yeah, overall, three stars, nothing phenomenal. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, this this was better than High, high Fire. <laughs> high Fire has set the bar so freaking low for us. Oh, I mean, that is a good thing. I know. Uh, I, I, this is not one I'm going to write home about. This is not one when we do our recaps I'm going to gush and praise about. I probably won't even make it to the recap because it was neither the worst and neither the best. It was just middle. Yeah, this will be and one of those a, And books, that's okay. This will be one of those books that like six m- months from now, I will have completely forgotten I even read. Yeah. Possibly in less time than that, but yeah. Yep. Oh, well. It is what it is. Say lovey. All right, guys. Well, that's what we got for this week. We hope you have a really awesome, fantastic week, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you in a couple weeks, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our miniseries, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.